2: Abner Mayers is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world, both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mayers, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They'll talk about things like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to a boxing champ, sports, music, culture, family life, and a ton of others. So make sure you listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English drop on Tuesdays and in Spanish drop on Wednesdays. What is up? Welcome to the uncontested podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire podcast network and the official podcast of boomtownhoops.com. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin, and joining me, not another uncontested host tonight, but we have a special guest, part of our Blue Wire family, host and writer for Bulls HQ Pod. Welcome Mark Karanzoulis to the podcast. Mark, how you doing, man? Good, Jacob. How are you, man? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well getting by, you know. Um, so if you guys haven't already listened, uh, I appeared on Mark's podcast, The Bulls HQ, whenever the Bulls hired Billy Donovan. Uh, Mark and I had a great conversation. I really enjoyed hopping on. Uh, and I told him he had to repay the favor for me. So here he is, and here we are. We will be talking some Bulls and Thunder trades tonight, which I am very excited to see, Mark, if we can make a deal.
3: I'm, I'm pretty keen too, mate. I think I've got one deal that we could probably agree to, I reckon, which we'll, we'll certainly get into. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if we can maybe conjure up a few others.
2: Definitely. I'm, I'm super excited for it. So before we get there, though, a few things I want to talk about before we start the trades. First league-wide, uh, John Hollinger recently dropped an article on The Athletic, really mapping out the timeline of the next season of the NBA. Obviously, everything is up in the air with the COVID stuff. Um, the one thing we do know for sure, it's in the books, is November 18th will be the draft. But John has mentioned that we should get tax and cap dollars, uh, the dollar amount, the, the, they'll set those levels probably by the beginning of November, and really no teams can really do transactions or really start to talk in depth with trades until they know those numbers, so that'll be a big day. November 18th for the draft, it's looking like around November 30th or December 1st for free agency, and then maybe the biggest thing, John had mentioned, around the league there is a growing belief that opening day for the NBA next season will be Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which would be Monday, January 18th. Uh, Mark, do you think that we're actually going to get basketball in January?
3: I, I want to say yes, and based on the timeline that Hollinger is sort of reporting on it, we would assume, or we would assume that that timeline seems to make sense. It's it sort of follows the rumblings that have sort of been occurring from a from a number of outlets, I suppose, over the last few weeks. So I, I would hope so, but you know, it, based on the, the the COVID world that we live in at the moment, it, it's hard to. It's hard to confidently say that yes, we'll be getting basketball in January, and you know what that looks like, how it looks like. Is there going to be fans in the stands? Are we going to be doing some sort of other bubble type arrangement? Maybe not one massive bubble, but you know, sort of hubs here and there. I think the NBA will definitely be watching a keen eye on on how the NFL sort of goes through this, and maybe how through or how other leagues around the world are sort of handling it, but. Who knows with this whole COVID situation? I, I just can't confidently say anything's going to happen with uh, any certainty at this point. But um, I guess the first step in all that is just getting through the NBA draft, through free agency, etc. And I guess it will come down to, the, to basically where the COVID situation lies in America come January.
2: Let me tell you something. Uh, the COVID situation in America has not been good. And I don't have a lot of faith that over the winter time, it's going to get any better. So fingers crossed though, I mean, by January, we could have like a vaccine and emergency authorization uh, and really be looking at maybe getting fans in the stands in the second half of the season. Maybe the owners decide they want to push the start date back to March uh, to increase the chance that they'll be able to get fans in the stands and, and capitalize on, you know, the millions and millions of dollars that they make off the door and off concessions and things in the arenas. So it's going to be interesting, but for for our sanity, especially for your sanity. I at least got to cover a team that played in the bubble. I don't want that to sound shitty. I don't mean that to sound shitty, no, but no, like to, from your viewpoint of not getting to cover a team in the bubble and you've gone what it's been almost 10 months now since the Bulls have played like a meaningful basketball game. Like I don't want you to have to go like 14 or 15 months without the Bulls. Now obviously you've had the coaching hire and and things like that. But that's a lot of time to fill.
3: Yeah, look, I mean, meaningful Bulls basketball games—it's probably longer than ten months. To be honest <laughs> with you, it's probably been a couple of years. But um, so I'm sort of built for this at this point. But yeah, I, I, I certainly take your point. I mean, by the time we come around again, if if it is January, the Bulls wouldn't have played since March, sort of thing. So that would be you know ten months there, sort of thing. So for me, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't mind. But for the players themselves, like. Uh, in for a rebuilding team as well like time is sort of important and time is sort of somewhat ticking now you know Kobe White isn't gonna, going to go from a 20 year old to a 25 year old at least I hope that's not how bad the COVID situation is but oh, th- it's just missed time wood, missed reps, and it's just missed opportunities for these guys to get better particularly in this sort of rebuilding environment so it's, it's just delaying that sort of process delaying to see what sort of team we do or don't have and Maybe just delaying understanding what you know, our tourist kind of show us Billy Donovan, etc., will be doing with this ball club. So, um, from a fan standpoint, that's the intrigue for me. But f- from a player standpoint, these guys haven't played for ages, so I-, I can't even imagine being an NBA player, particularly one like the from from the Bulls, who hasn't played a professional game in so long at this point.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head there with you got to get those game reps for those young guys, for the development, for the experience, for the confidence. You have to get those game reps, and going that long without those game reps, especially, I mean, obviously the bubble worked out the way it did. The bubble was awesome, but the bubble brought the best 22 teams down to Orlando, and those best 22 teams are teams with vets and that have experience. The teams that got left out, the Bulls, um, I think of like the Atlanta Hawks, Uh, Teams like that are teams that are very young that probably needed that experience to play those games and didn't get it. So I wonder if that's going to set those teams back much. Uh, It's going to be fascinating to see moving forward. So for all of our sake, I hope we get basketball in January, even if it's fanless and it's just players playing in home markets, but in empty arenas, I still hope we get basketball. So let's shift over to some Bulls talk, though, before we dive into these trades Mark, you and I talked what feels like forever ago. I think I guess yeah. it was just a few weeks though. Yeah. Um about the Bulls hiring Billy Donovan. Uh, I came on your podcast the night that it happened and we mm-hmm. chatted about it. Now you've had some time to to really dig in to understand who Billy Donovan is. I'm sure the the Bulls media up there has covered it extensively. Now that the dust has settled a bit, what are and, and I guess did we ever get actual numbers on how much they're paying Billy, and how long he's going to be there for?
3: I believe it's a four-year deal, and it's six million per season. So, in in that way, I don't think it shifts too much from from um, what he was on at the Thunder. So, I was yeah, actually I think... somewhat surprised to be honest with you. I thought he would have got a pay bump given he was co-coach of the year, based on the uh, the coaches' awards, I guess. Um, So I was surprised to see that they got him for that amount, to be honest, given that they paid Fred Hoiberg in the past $5 million per season. And similarly for Tom Thibodeau, I believe he was on $5 million per season when he came on board. So um, yeah, I was somewhat surprised that Billy came at that amount, but um, look, I'll take it. Not my money. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, definitely. That sounds ex- almost exactly like what his deal in Oklahoma City was as well. But now, now that the dust has settled a bit, uh, just tell me some of your thoughts on getting Billy as coach. Obviously, we've also started to hear recently now that he's been making phone calls to assistants. Uh, what was it? that He said that they are going to, quote, go in a different direction, I think, which is a really polite way to say you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but what are your thoughts now of Billy now that everything's kind of settled down?
3: Well, look, uh, uh, going back to to when he was hired, I suppose, and when we had our conversation, I was quite positive about the move at that point because uh, I just assumed the Bulls were going to go down the path of hiring an unexperienced guy, someone, you know, an assistant coach from another team to come in and sort of take this rebuild, hopefully forward. And that's typically been their MO. They've always gone and brought in an assistant coach, whether it's uh, you know Tom, Thib- Tom Thibodeau, whether it was Jim Boylan. Fred Hoiberg, I suppose, was outside of the NBA coaching circles, but it was a first-time hire, so to speak. So I just expected the Bulls to be hiring someone like Wes Ansel Jr., something like that. He was heavily touted to the role, obviously had some uh, a connection with kind of us uh, There was only two names linked to the Bulls job that had any sort of experience at all with in terms of coaching in the NBA, and that was Kenny Atkinson and then... Billy Donovan when he became available and I guess the minute Billy did become available I was pretty keen on landing him I had no expectations that the Bulls would just because I assumed he would be not interested in the job but obviously he, he, he took the job so I was pretty pleased about th- that fact that the Bulls brought in an experienced coach because I think that's just super important for where this team is at right now we're going to year 4 of the rebuild it's kind of a make of a break like the, there's two ways this thing could go they either continue building this roster or they maybe tear it down and maybe start rebuilding again so, having someone, an experienced guy in, coming in and maybe helping set that path, where hopefully they can continue building on it rather than having to tear it down again. I think just having someone of of, of Billy's sort of uh, the fact that he's just ultra, uh, ultra an ultra professional, just super competent. That's something where we haven't had in Chicago for quite a while. So. That aspect of it is was super encouraging to me the minute it happened. But then when we had our conversation and you took me through the pros and cons of Billy Donovan, again, that's just not a coach that we've had in Chicago for so long. So I'm quite high on the on the hiring. I, it makes complete sense that Billy Donovan is sort of revamping his coaching staff. I, I didn't expect him to sort of just take on board the, the coaching staff that Boylan did have in, in place. And to be fair to Boylan, I don't think he had a lot of assistance around him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see one who Billy brings in to replace the the assistant coaches he's sort of let go. But to uh, you know further to that, to see if he's actually had a, has a more beefed up staff. So I think last year the Bulls only had one player development coach on the roster or like part of the coaching staff. So how it all shakes out, who goes in there, what positions are ultimately sort of shaped around Billy Donovan, that's going to mean to be uh, very intriguing to me, a Bulls fan. But yeah, that f- from this point for going forward, I've, I've been pretty happy with the hire. Obviously, the real stuff starts when the season starts, but at this point, it's 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 all positive.
2: Has there been any talk up there about maybe who Billy Donovan will bring in, or is that still a mystery as far as assistant coaches are concerned? Look,
3: I haven't seen anything being reported at this point. I don't think there's any, um, there hasn't been any names sort of connected to the job at this point. I, I guess one I would assume maybe that Billy will talk to maybe Mo Cheeks. and Obviously, he was part of the OKC staff with him um, during Billy's time. So I, w- I would wonder if he might try to bring him over to Chicago. But in terms of specific names that have been linked to the roles, I think it's probably too early in the process at this point. There's been no real names connected from my vantage point that I've seen. So um, we'll see how it shakes out over the next few days. But um, at this point, I think it's all pretty fresh.
2: Definitely. That was... Two names that I was going to mention. One of them you just said. Uh, the other being uh, Brian Keith, who is a longtime Thunder assistant. Actually, left the Thunder for a while and went to New York to coach with Derek Fisher. If you remember those days when Derek Fisher was the coach of the New York Knicks. Yeah. And um, and then came back to Oklahoma City. And Brian Keith, I think, is starting to be seen as like a top assistant or a a head coaching candidate in some coaching circles. Uh, so I would be interested to see if he brings uh, Mo Cheeks or Brian Keefe up to Chicago, especially now that the Thunder are looking to hire a new coach who might want to bring his own guys in as well. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, those those guys might be kind of out there in limbo and, and willing to come up to Chicago with Billy uh, should those offers be extended. So I think that'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye on Mo Cheeks. Hell of a guy! I absolutely love. From what I know about the guy, just he seems absolutely incredible. Uh, Kind of known as the guard whisperer here in Oklahoma City. Um, He was the one that really worked with Russell Westbrook. uh, Had a great relationship with Chris Paul, uh, and and also had a really good relationship with Shea Gilgis Alexander. So with some of those young guards up there in Chicago, Mo Cheeks might be actually a really really good fit.
3: Yeah, yeah, correct, and and it makes complete sense based on. How OKC sort of shaped the roster last season. There's, there are some synergies between the Thunder and, and the Bulls in that sense. From a from a guard point of view, I mean, a, a lot of the scoring will be coming from the Bulls backcourt going forward. I would imagine with Zach Levine and Kobe White. So, in that sense, yeah, it probably does make some sense. Off, uh, we'll, we'll see what Mo Cheeks wants to do. If who else Billy maybe may be interested in, but yeah, th- that connection is is obvious and, and makes sense for uh, for the Bulls. But we'll we'll, uh, we'll see if it makes sense for Mo Cheeks.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, all right, well, let's move on. I want to talk a little bit about what you perceive the Bulls' goals next year to be. Obviously, this is, a like you've mentioned, a rebuilding team with a lot of youth. It does have a a decent blend of some veteran leadership there as well. Um, You know, I think there was high hopes for the 2019-2020 season that they just drastically underwhelmed with. Uh, but now with guys, uh, young guys like Kobe White, who are on the come up. Uh, obviously, Zach Levine is a certified bucket. Um, what are the goals for the Bulls next season? Is it to push and make the playoffs in, in the East? Is it still just to develop those young guys? And if we don't make the playoffs, we'll, we'll get a lottery pick in the stack 2021 draft. What do you think the Bulls are thinking about their goals for next season?
3: Yeah, this is a super interesting question because I, I don't really know the answer because one, Arturis kind of us typically is pretty coy with his strategy. We don't we don't even really know how he feels about specific players at this point. He's, he's, he's very very guarded, keeping things very close to the vest, so to speak. So um, I, I don't really know what his plan will, or his overarching plan will be. I know he's, he and Mark Eversley, the new GM, have talked about how they like the talent on the roster how the, the talent on this roster is sort of underperformed last season and then they expect those guys to come around and grow. But whether that's to keep them around or maybe package them up in a trade, I, I don't really know. But as I sort of alluded to before, we're coming into year four of the rebuild. It's kind of make or break time. I mean, Zach Levine has two years left on his deal. Lowry Markin has been in the league three years now. He's extension eligible what do we have in, in Larry Markman, and and Wendell Carter as, as, as a two-man tandem up front? We don't really know because a lot of these guys haven't actually shared the floor a lot together, given that injuries have plagued the Bulls for the last two or three seasons. So in that sense, I, I, I'm not really sure. And part of that part of the reason I say that, and I guess it sort of alludes to the Billy Donovan hiring as well, is I would assume the Bulls would be trying to, to build onto what they already have rather than maybe tearing it down again. So in that sense... Uh, I would assume that they're aiming towards the playoffs. That would be my guess. They don't have a lot of cap space coming up in this specific uh, offseason, so the roster itself is going to look very similar to what it did last season. There'll be some, some movements around the margins there, but I think, by and large, the key pieces will remain. And, and I would imagine that's the case, particularly for someone like Billy Donovan. I'm not... I don't believe he's coming here to coach a a rebuild. Uh, That that doesn't make sense to me given obviously he left OKC and OKC maybe headed down that path. And like I mentioned before, the Bulls really have two avenues to go from going forward. Do they keep building or do they tear it down because maybe these players on the rosters aren't necessarily good enough? But uh, I would lean to the Bulls maybe building on it. One, because they got Billy Donovan through, an experienced coach who probably wants to win now as, as soon as possible. And two... Um, I guess the biggest fear amongst Bulls fans going into this whole off season was how ownership would be reacting to this whole COVID situation, and we just all assumed that they would be putting away their money, maybe even you know cutting costs here and there, and we we didn't necessarily expect them to get someone like Billy Donovan paying a coach six six million dollars a season because an assistant coach from another team is you know significantly cheaper, um, and and you know they have obviously committed to Billy Donovan that that that's positive to see that with as we sort of just talked before billy donovan he's reshaping his coaching staff that's going to cost the ownership a little bit more money than what maybe would have been uh, otherwise and and you know even getting through Arturis tourist kind of service and mark eversley that wouldn't have come cheap either so it would appear that ownership is willing to pay some money here i didn't expect that to be the case they're they're forking out dollars billy donovan probably wants to win as soon as possible so I would assume the plan is develop the roster, hopefully get into the to the playoffs as a 7th or 8th seed. That would be my guess as to whether that's with the current players on the roster or not. Or not I, I, that remains to be seen, but I'm assuming they want to push this rebuild forward rather than maybe tearing it down again.
2: Nice. So then let's talk about their offseason. Um, obviously, Like you mentioned, new GM, not really knowing how he feels about certain players, what direction they're going to go. But I want to list off some of the free agents that Chicago has this offseason. And I want you to tell me if just, I guess, gut feeling, do you think that player is coming back to Chicago or do you think the Bulls are going to part ways? Uh, First one, Chris Dunn.
3: Yeah, this is is going to be a really interesting one because I think Chris Dunn's value is probably... Probably somewhere in the vicinity of 6 to six to $9 million, somewhere in that range. Uh, he had a really positive defensive season on offense, less so. But he, he clearly established himself as one of the better perimeter defenders in the NBA. He just missed out on an all-defensive team. So in that sense, he has value as a backup guard who can just bring you you know elite defense. But as to whether he will be winning Chicago or not, that's interesting because I think the value that he will command on the market is sort of a, a similar type paycheck than what you might get from a contending team that has the mid-level exception on offer. So I, I probably lean at this point to, to Chris Dunn not being part of the Bulls roster next season. He wasn't part of the Bulls mini camp that, 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 that the team has just gone through now, part of the scrimmages that the team is sort of going through, in part one because... He has free free agency to, coming up, but two, he's sort of still recovering from his knee injury from this season. So, I would I would assume Chris Dunn is not part of the roster next going forward next season. But I think a lot of that's going to be determined by what they do at the draft. If they take a guard, then you know less less reasons to keep Chris Dunn around. But maybe if they go wing or big, then maybe they do keep him around. But I, I I'll probably lean to them not doing so at this point.
2: Okay, interesting. Yeah, uh, I did not realize Chris Dunn is tw- already twenty six years old
3: yeah yeah he's 27 in march so he's going to be he's essentially a finished product i mean there will be some improvements here and there but he he, he's not he's not a 22 year old let's say he's he's yeah he's older than
2: zach levine wow i did not realize that that's surprising okay next guy denzel valentine
3: yeah this is this is another interesting one again a a one-sided player um very capable on offense when given the opportunity you know a very good catch and shoot player a really good passer has his limitations, but, um, I, I don't know how much of a role he will have going forward. I- <laughs> It remains to be seen. He probably can fit on an NBA roster in certain situations. Very much is not a defensive player at all. One of the worst defenders in the NBA that I've seen. But um, I I, I don't know. I I can't imagine Denzel Valentine getting anything more than three or four million, something like that. Maybe anything more than the vet minimum, to be honest with you. So I think it's a chance Valentine sort of sticks around. If Boylan was the coach, then I would say definitely not. Those two did not uh, see eye to eye. But I think with Billy Donovan and this team not necessarily having many shooters around, then Valentine does have a place on this roster. But again, it will come down to what they do with the draft. But at this point, I'll uh, I'll tentatively, tentatively say that he sticks around for maybe two years on a, on a cheap deal.
2: Okay, awesome. And then the third one I want to talk about, Shaq Harrison.
3: Yeah, I, this one, this is, a, again, very interesting in what that what happens with Chris Dunn, I think what they do with Dunn will ultimately determine what they do with Shaq Harrison to a degree, because they are very similar players, uh, you know, very good defensive players, ball hawks on defense, give you absolutely nothing on offense, and um, even though they're listed as point guards, six for four point guards, they're more so uh, your shooting guard types in the sense that they can't really do anything off the bounce, you don't necessarily want the ball in their hands, because they're not great decision makers, so they're not really point guards in that way, so, if you keep Chris Dunn around for say six million dollars, seven million dollars, whatever it might be, then it probably doesn't make sense to to have Shaq Harrison taking up a roster spot when he can give you seventy percent of what Chris Dunn does, or vice versa. If if um you know if you if you get rid of Chris Dunn, then maybe it makes more sense to to keep someone like Shaq Harrison around. But um ultimately it will determine what they do with uh, with Chris Dunn. I think if if they keep him, then Shaq Harrison's gone. If they don't, then uh, maybe Harrison sticks around
2: interesting okay so it's almost going to be a one or the other type of situation
3: then that's to me if i was running the show that's what i would be definitely doing and personally i would be keeping shaq harrison on a a three-year deal and sort of getting 60 to 70 percent of that value that chris dunn provides and maybe using that you know that available space whether it's on a cap space or an exception on um not on chris dunn let's say but more so on a player who comes in on the wing who can do who can provide some shooting and maybe some semblance of defense. I think that's what the Bulls need more so because, you know, if if you got Shaq Harrison, you don't need both of Shaq Harrison and Chris Dunn. it's, It's kind of redundant at that point.
2: Yeah, it definitely makes sense. All right, well, then that leads us to my last question before we move on to the trades. The Bulls are currently sitting at fourth in the NBA draft. You've kind of mentioned some of the things that this roster kind of needs to round out the team what do you think they do with the, that fourth pick? Do you think they're they're pretty bought into making a selection there? Do you think there's a decent chance they, they try to trade the pick and maybe move back or just trade out of the draft altogether? And if they stay at four, who do you like them to take there?
3: Yeah, look, I don't think they'll trade out. I, I, that seems at least part going back on... You know how the Bulls have operated in the past, and maybe that's less relevant now given the change of of management. But previously, they haven't really ever traded out of draft, so I don't see that being the scenario. Maybe even less so that they jumped up from seven or eighth in the draft up to number four. It would it would be a tough sell, I think, particularly for someone like Kharashovs, who this will be his first real big play in terms of shaping the roster. So it would be a big call for him to trade out of it. So I don't see that happening. I. Maybe they try trading up. Maybe they try trading down. But I think the most likely scenario is that they stick at number four. And if they do, I would imagine they don't go big. Uh, it kind of shows us has talked about just wanting the best player available. And you know, maybe he determines that the best player available at number four is Obi Toppin or James Wiseman or someone like that. And which would be tough again for for fans to swallow, given that the Bulls have sort of gone through a, a three year rebuild here. And you know two years out of those three years the Bulls have used their number seven pick on two traditionally sized bigs in Larry Mark and Wendell Carter Jr. So to to have three of the four years that you've been in the lottery being inside the top seven and to use another pick on a big guy that would be for me at least it would be tough to handle. Uh, we'll see what, I, what AK does but I think that they need to at least consider uh, fit and now maybe fit and best player available in this instance crossover to some degree and they definitely need wings on this roster. I mean the The biggest issue with the Bulls last season was that they had no available wings really at all last season because Otto Porter missed most of last season. Chandler Hutchinson, a former first-round pick, he's been very injury-prone through his two seasons. He was quite injured last season as well, which meant... Guys like Chris Dunn, Ryan Archidiacno, Shaq Harrison, these sorts of guys that are six four six four four or under. They played a lot of time at small forward. We even had matchups where Ryan Archidiacno was checking Giannis when we were matching up against the Bucks, which was
2: Giannis is like two of of Ryan Archie <laughs> Yeah,
3: exactly. So it's highly problematic, let's say. So the Bulls definitely need some wings wings to come through this this team, whether that's um, Isaac Koro, whether it's Devin Vassell, whether it's Denny of Dia. I don't know where AK will lean. I would assume he probably leans Avdia just just based on at least my impression of Avdia That he's probably the most rounded of all those guys. He's he maybe not be may not have an elite skill in any uh, facet of his game at this point, but he can sort of do a little bit of everything. Whereas with Vassell or Akora, you got some some legitimate uh, I guess issues or red flags that you maybe need to consider. So I think they definitely need to think about wings and if it's not wings then it has to be a guard someone like well maybe Lame- lamello ball we'll see how it all plays out maybe he falls somewhat but um i look i i don't know if he falls beyond uh the, the top two or three picks i think that may be wishful thinking but if it's not lamello ball then maybe it's someone like killian hayes i think that may be a nice sort of um you know backup option so i uh, to me at least they need to be thinking guards Oh, they need to be thinking wigs, uh, wings. I'm not necessarily interested in the bigs in this draft. Uh, they're probably less relevant to the Bulls, but uh may make sense for some other teams. But yeah, again, we'll see. It's hard to know at this point because we got, we just don't really know a lot about AK, how he wants to go through this whole thing, what type of player he he prefers, all that aspect. It's, we're kind of lo- learning on the fly at the moment.
2: Definitely. And you mentioned my two guys right there. Uh, I know... My number one guy in this draft, the dude, like you ask anybody who listens to The Uncontested, they will talk to you about how much of a man crush I have on Denny Dia, And I know he's been mocked to the Bulls at four a lot, which makes sense. He can slide into that three, he can play some small ball four. I love Denny's game. Like you mentioned, he is such a rounded player. I think he, he can almost be like a point forward in a sense. Um, but I wanted to ask you about LaMelo. Like, do you think the Bulls are high on LaMelo? Uh, to the point where they would be like, maybe willing to trade four and like a an, a small asset to move up and maybe uh, get Golden State's pick at two and take Lamelo.
3: Again, tough tough to answer because I, I would say the old reg- regime would definitely not be into Lamelo at all um, from a character standpoint. Uh, maybe someone like Karna is more, I guess, more prepared to take that risk. It's 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 hard, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. So. What, all we really know from Eversley and Karnashev in terms of the type of player they like. And it, it's the same. I, what they've said is pretty much what anyone else would say. So obviously guys that like to play fast, guys who like to move the ball, guys who can shoot, guys that can play defense. So, I mean, that's very generic. It's very high level. And in some senses, you know, Lamello fits that case. In some senses, he certainly doesn't. So I, I don't know if they're prepared to trade any future assets to go up and grab Lamello. Obviously, it depends on where Lamelo is sort of situated to go. Um, I, personally, I probably wouldn't go and do that myself. I, I don't know if Lamelo is that good of a talent to, to maybe, you know, jump up from, from four to two and risky or, or put together a, a future asset um, in, in a deal for, for Lamelo Ball. Maybe you do that, maybe you don't. But personally, I don't... I don't see the the need of drafting... Oh, sorry, yeah, trading up in this specific draft. Maybe in a couple drafts ago, then yeah, I'm, I'm definitely trading up for someone like Luka Doncic or something like that or even Ja Morant when the balls, I think, should have done that. That that was probably the draft to do it. Trading up now in this specific draft, I think that's... It's kind of a risk. Lamelo definitely has some elite skills, some that I would definitely... Uh, that definitely fit on this specific team. But um, I have my concerns about Lamelo Ball and I, I wonder how you kind of show his feels about him too. So I think it's more likely that they stay at number four and maybe draft someone like Denny. I think that kind of makes sense.
2: Definitely. And I think what I just said was maybe a little misleading. I told you I had two guys in this draft that I love. One of them was Denny. And then I asked you about LaMelo, which probably leads a lot of people listening to think that LaMelo was my other guy. LaMelo was not my other guy. I do not like LaMelo ball very much at all. My other guy was Killian Hayes. And I think Killian would be awesome in Chicago a lefty, he's drawing a lot of like Manu Ginobili style comparisons. He has that step back J. He can make all the passes. I think pairing a guy like Killian with Kobe White in that backcourt could be a hell of a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, look, I mean, he's probably the safer option if you if you're talking Lamelo or Killian Hayes. I I, I would assume. Maybe maybe he's not safer, but like it, it, I have a lot more confidence in him just being a, a solid NBA player. Whereas for, for someone like Lamelo, that could just go a million ways. I mean, Lamelo will walk into the NBA and potentially have two elite skills straight off the bat. I mean, his passing and his dribbling, or you know, his ball handling skills, are just going to be elite from day dot. But it's kind of all the other stuff that are just a big question mark. Whereas someone like Killian Hayes, maybe he doesn't have the upside of someone like Lamelo. If if Lamelo can sort of put it together, but I have a lot, a lot more confidence in him just being the the steadier, steadying force, I guess, um, and, and just having more of a, yeah, just having more assurance, I suppose, that he will sort of reach whatever sort of uh, maximum he, he has in his game. Maybe it's not as high as Lamelo, but I'd, ha- I'd have more confidence in him reaching that level, I suppose. So, yeah, he, w- someone like Hayes would be a really nice fit. I mean, particularly with with uh, either Zach Levine or Kobe White, because both of those guys are. Very similar, their skills cross over quite a bit, whereas Killian is a little bit different in the sense that he's probably more of a pick-and-roll master in the sense, in and, and more so in terms of creating for others. I think that's the key difference between someone like Killian Hayes and Kobe White and Zach, who are very good at maybe getting their own score, but not so great at creating for others. And that's obviously quite problematic when you've, you've started to rebuild around two big men like Larry Markin and Wendell Carter Jr. So to have someone like Killian Hayes come through who can you know get his own buckets through pick and rolls, but maybe even more importantly, create plays for others, specifically Larry Markin and Wendell Carter Jr., then that's the intrigue there for sure. Definitely.
2: I love it. All right, well, Mark, let's get to the part of the podcast that everyone wants to hear, and that's us... Uh, playing around on the trade machine and coming up with trades. But before we get there, let's take a quick second and tell our listeners about our sponsors for the week. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need just like they have for over three million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with the free $75 credit at indeed.com slash This is their best offer available anywhere. So again, go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the games this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Alright, it is time to jump into some trades. two magic for your charizard deal to disaster take trading
1: disaster
2: so mark i think we start off uh, with the biggest one here uh, which is probably discussing if there's any way to get chris paul to the bulls do you think that's fair
3: uh i think that's where we have to start mate that makes that's the one that makes most sense to me
2: okay perfect so let's do it then uh, obviously the big thing for uh, the Thunder is the size of Chris Paul's contract, uh, owed $41.3 million next season. Uh, the Bulls are going to have to match within uh, 125% of that. And you and I talked about this whenever I came on your podcast to talk about the hiring of Billy Donovan. But there's some interesting crossover here. Chris Paul obviously has a very good relationship with Billy Donovan. Um, If Billy pulls, like we mentioned earlier, maybe um, a Mo Cheeks from Oklahoma City up to Chicago, Chris has a good relationship with Mo Cheeks. Also, um, Chris would would come to Chicago not only to elevate that team, because Chris is really damn good, but also uh, to mentor the young guys, specifically Kobe White, who Chris Paul has a relationship with as Kobe White played on Chris's AAU team. Uh, as as before, you know, Kobe obviously got to college, so there's a lot of interesting crossovers there. So I think that makes a Chris Paul deal to to Chicago pretty interesting.
3: Look, 100, percent and you were preaching to the choir because I am a Chris Paul Homer. I I love the man, so I I would definitely like to see this happen for for the reasons you stated. But even expanding on that, I mean, look, like I said before, this is year four of the Bulls' rebuild, and this is going to for year four where the team just hasn't really had a credible point guard option. And like I said before, this is a team that sort of started its rebuild around two young big men. And those two young bigs who are always going to be highly assisted type players in terms of them scoring their own baskets, they just haven't had a point guard who can necessarily set up the ball for these guys. And you know, we've had Chris Dunn come through as point guard, Jerry and Grant, Grant Cameron Payne. I mean... Uh, there's, there's probably others that I, I kind of hopefully have erased from my mind who have definitely had <laughs> zero impact on this team, but I, I just can't imagine being a player like Larry Markin on a Wendell Carter trying to find my way in the league, trying to find my way within an offense whilst also playing with a backcourt that kind of doesn't know what it's doing. So in that sense, Chris Paul would just be a massive upgrade in from an IQ standpoint on the Bulls for the Bulls on the floor because. This team just more generally just hasn't been a smart basketball team for for quite some time so to get in a player like chris paul who is arguably the smartest player in the league like you said has relationships with someone like kobe white which is very you know if kobe's going to be someone that's part of the bulls plans long term then that that mentorship would be huge uh, to me it just makes complete sense i know some bulls fans have reservations based on chris paul's contract and the fact that that would probably take the Bulls out of the running. any running in the uh, 2021 free agency uh, pool where players like Giannis, Kawhi, Paul George, etc. May, may or may not be available. Um, I understand their perspective as to why you wouldn't want Chris Paul and maybe to sort of take up that cap space. But for me, again, maybe I'm biased, but I, I think the first step here needs to be just establishing the Bulls as some sort of professional-looking team. And doing so without an actual point guard in the backcourt, one that can sort of orchestrate the entire offense, then it's kind of hard to ask this Bulls team to be a true credible threat to maybe make the playoffs. And it, like I said before, Kobe White and Zach Levine, there's a lot of crossover between those guys. They are high-scoring guards, don't necessarily create well for others, and it's just a problem in more generally schematically of how the Bulls have sort of built this team up until this point where someone like cp3 based on how good he was this season he could maybe unlock this team to a degree so um it makes sense and i think the bulls actually have some pieces here on the on, on their specific roster to make this trade sort of happen as well
2: definitely and you know all that not even mentioning just the overall leadership aspect yeah, of chris sure. paul i know i kind of i kind of preached to you on the bulls hq pod about just the leader that chris paul is like Man, after how successful the bubble is, I tweeted this the other night. Put Adam Silver and Chris Paul on the presidential ticket on November 3rd. I'll vote for them in a heartbeat. I mean, just Chris is an absolutely incredible leader. I think not only bringing that IQ and and that Democratic form of basketball to Chicago, but just being the leader in the locker room for that team. Somebody that everybody rallies around and knows, like, this is the guy that's going to take us where we want to get. In my viewpoint, if the Bulls trade for Chris Paul... I have a very very hard time seeing them not making like the 6 or the 7 seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs next season. I just yeah, think I'll, he's that good.
3: I, I would I would I would kind of agree and that would be the the one time in the last how many years where I'd be actually confident in the Bulls actually st- taking that step forward and not from feeling silly about making such a prediction where I've maybe in the past I have made such a prediction and felt a little bit silly, you know, 10 20 games into the season realizing that Yeah, this team isn't winning 35 games. We haven't got coming anywhere close to it. But with someone like Chris Paul, I think he would unlock the rest of the roster because Zach Levine could sort of get back off the ball a bit. He wouldn't have to maybe dominate the ball like he has in the past. So his usage could still remain so high. and He could still finish off plays. But in terms of him having to create all the players, that just unburdens him. And maybe his game goes to another level. I mentioned Larry Markman before, Wendell Carter. But you could even play some three-guard lineups like the OKC Thunder did this season with with CP three and maybe there's less defense with between a CP three Zach Levine and Kobe White sort of trio versus you know one with CP three uh, Dennis Schroder and, and and SGA but you could still do that you can still try that you can still experiment with that and and that would be interesting particularly like I mentioned before the Bulls have don't really have a ton of wings on this sp- a specific ros- uh, roster at present so there's that synergy between the Bulls and Thunder too the fact that the way the Thunder sort of got around that was to play those three-guard lineups. Obviously, Lou Dort came on big towards the back end of the season. But that, again, is another appeal to me. Like I've always been a big proponent of playing multiple-guard lineups. That's something I just generally believe in. Having someone like Paul sitting next to Zach Levine, maybe bring Kobe White off the bench and at times have them all playing together, I think that would be really interesting. I think that would
2: work out great. And you have the coach that ran that three-guard exactly, lineup. Exactly, exactly. You know, from a from a Thunder perspective, that three-guard lineup, whenever they were on the court together, that was the best, I think it was the best three-man lineup. And I think the, the, those three plus Danilo Gallinari, Steven Adams was the best five-man lineup in the league. Uh, incredibly clutch. And the thing was, it's not like the ball was zipping around the court because you had three guards out there. They were very, very good at Attacking and kicking and getting one of those three guards in a mismatch and then letting them work. Whether it be a big being on Dennis Schroeder, who can just blow by right by them, whether it be Chris Paul being able to get somebody in the mid range, uh, or Shea Gilgis Alexander being able to use his slithery like kind of unorthodox moves to the rim. They didn't have a lot of assists in that sense, but they were able to to create mismatches and then exploit those mismatches, mismatches time and time and time again. And I could see, like you mentioned, the exact same thing happening with a three-guard lineup of, of Chris, Levine, uh, and Kobe White. So that would be really fascinating. Um, so, Mark, I think, tell, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we're going to have to throw Otto, Otto Porter Jr. in here just so we can start getting close to salary matching. Uh, would you agree with that?
3: Yeah, and that's the only way this trade really happens. I mean, Otto Porter has a as a player option. I think he's owed about twenty eight and a half million dollars for next yeah, season. Yeah, he's not turning that down. Yeah, I would be absolutely floored if he turned that down, based on the fact that he's had so many injuries, well, particularly last season, but even the back end of of his first season in Chicago. I would be absolutely stunned if he was to yeah, turn yeah, especially down that money. in a weak free agent class oh, where I, there's
2: not a lot of teams with cap space. Yeah, yeah he exactly. is cashing those checks, buddy.
3: Yeah, exactly. So. I Assuming he opts in, then yes, he's going to be the central point from a Chicago point to make this deal work. That's he's owed twenty eight and a half million dollars, like I mentioned. Chris Paul will be upwards of you know forty somewhere in that range. So yeah, to make this work money wise, Otto Porter needs to be involved
2: for sure. I, and then we can throw one more player in there to get the money exactly where it needs to be. And one of those two players could be Thad Young. Uh, Tomas Sadoransky, or we could even go uh, Felicio and then maybe throw another small contract in there. Um, what do you think the Bulls are, are most likely to do in that situation? My initial assumption uh, would be Tomas Sadoransky just because the Bulls already have so many guards, especially if they're bringing in Chris now. Um, but but you correct me if I'm wrong. Do you, do you think Sadoransky uh, is a better fit to stay in Chicago and them to ship out somebody like Thad Young instead?
3: Yeah, again, it, it kind of determines what they do at the draft, and and you know if if this trade were to happen, if it was before or after the draft, then maybe that that's a key determinant as well. But a lot of that will be determined by the draft. But in in this specific sense, just assuming based on the current roster that they have on on hand, then it probably does make sense at this point to just throw in Thomas Sadoransky. I think that makes more sense. He he would take, or Chris Paul would take all his minutes. Probably doesn't make sense to keep Saddle at that point, and maybe then then you reconsider, and maybe you think about maybe keeping Chris Dunn, maybe you don't. But yeah, so replacing a point guard like Ransky with a point guard like Chris Paul makes more sense. Uh, Thad Young earns maybe two or three million dollars more per per season, so if the money needs to maybe move around a little bit, then maybe that's where Thad Young becomes more applicable to a team like the Thunder, and and Thad, Thad sort of makes sense for the Thunder in the sense that he's you know a long athletic player. Just the ultimate professional a, a good community member he he just strikes me as a very thunder type player um but so does sadaransky so i think either or would be applicable in this situation and importantly even though both signed to three-year deals that third year for both of them is only somewhat guaranteed so from a thunder perspective you would have some pretty instantaneous cap relief beyond this season potentially you know obviously depending on what you do with Sataranski but Otto Porter would be a free agent maybe if you decline the option or you um not, not necessarily decline the option but there's only a partial guarantee for Sataranski or Thad young it would free up the, the the thunders cap position quite quickly beyond next season so either or makes total sense in this trade definitely so let, let's do
2: Sataranski then And just those two players, Porter and Sadaransky, really get us to where the money needs to be. Now the Bulls would be taking on about three million dollars in this deal, but in order to like make the trade actually happen, uh, this is well within like the money is close enough to make it happen. So then we're just talking, um, what do what what is the asset the Thunder gets back in return for this trade? Um, Mark, I will tell you right now, the Thunder are interested in draft picks. Like that number, number one, two, and three on the list is draft picks. Uh, it is very obvious that the Thunder are not going to get uh, pick number four from the Bulls in 2020 uh, for Chris Paul. That would be absurd. Uh, so are we talking the 2021 first? Are we talking later down the line first? Uh, where do you think the Bulls uh, would be looking here?
3: Well, look, the Bulls have all their first-round picks going forward, so there's no issues of owing picks elsewhere that maybe you have to delay it until 2025 or something like that. So in that sense, it could be as early as next season. Like you rightly said, it won't be this number four pick. That's probably too much to throw in for for a trade for CP3. But you know, whether it's a future pick, 21, 22, that remains to be seen. But I would be interested in maybe throwing that pick in, assuming it has some sort of protections on it. We could argue about what those protections would need to be, but... That's probably going to be the ultimate ultimate determinant in terms of who gets Chris Paul and maybe who has the lightest protections on those picks. Or if maybe even if, if a team offers multiple picks, whatever it may be, um, that's probably going to sway the Chris Paul trade, I would imagine. Now, me being someone who is maybe similar to the Thunder, loves their draft picks and maybe wants to be a little bit more conservative about it, maybe I would miss out on a Chris Paul trade because the protection on it I would want at least to make me feel somewhat comfortable would maybe be too too extreme for the thunder and maybe they go looking elsewhere but i would be uh, okay with putting on on a on the table a 21 or 22 draft pick assuming that there's um, some decent protections on it
2: beautiful so i don't know what the thunder exactly are looking for but here's my thought the 2021 class is loaded and especially the top-end talent in that draft. I mean, there's people already saying that this 2021 draft might be one of the best drafts in like the past 20 years. Uh, One of the most prized and coveted players in 2021, Cade Cunningham, uh, actually playing his college ball about 60 minutes away from the Chesapeake Energy Arena. And I can promise you that Sam Presti is going to have a hotel room in Stillwater, Oklahoma to watch Cade Cunningham play all season long. Now, the Thunder have their own pick in 2021. They also have the better of the two picks. Well, technically, they get the two two of the best. How do I word this? The two picks that are the best of the following three, the Thunder pick, the Miami pick, and the Houston pick. My assumption is that the Thunder pick is going to be pretty good because the Thunder are going to suck next year because they want to trade away everybody. And then I would think that Houston probably has a worse regular season than Miami. Number one, because Houston's older. Number two, because Miami plays in the East. And so I think the Thunder are going to end up with their own pick and Houston's pick next season. If they could also get a protected 2021 from the Bulls and use all three of those picks in 2021 to trade up to possibly get the number one overall pick or a number two overall pick, I think that's where the Thunder get the star of the future. So, so far, this deal is Chris Paul for Saturansky and Otto Porter Jr. How do you feel about throwing the Bulls' 2021 pick in this deal, uh, top 10 protected?
3: Yeah, I guess my biggest concern, and you mentioned Caden Cunningham, and I think this is kind of the irony of the Bulls' situation, is that they may be trying to look at to progress at a time when maybe this is the right season to maybe go full on tank, yeah. like the Thunder are doing. like The Thunder of time this pretty perfectly in that sense. So the Bulls really need that type of talent, the one that can take their franchise forward, and Cade Cunningham appears to be that type of player, which makes sense why the Thunder maybe are keen on rebuilding, and if he is the guy, then that would be a pretty damn good prize. So I guess my concern would be that maybe the Bulls, I don't know, maybe they get to a point where they may be for either side of that and maybe for whatever reason their pick was to jump up in the top two or three and then you lose that chance of Kate Cunningham so maybe 10s might be a bit too light for me and maybe I was thinking lottery protected something like that it's very very close but you know it's obviously the difference between 10 and 14 but I you might you may be able to twist my arm I suppose so
2: what if and I know we're trying to look at this like realistically from the front office perspectives yeah um but but just from you and i uh, acting like we're the gms uh mm-hmm. which god that would be nice i would like that <laughs> increase what what if i just split the difference with you and we say top 12 protected
3: see i'd be more inclined to to have like a, a cascading type um protection beyond the years so to speak so you know in this 2021 it's maybe a, a lottery protected 2022 maybe it's top 10 protected you know beyond and then it's a top eight protected top six whatever it might be something like that then maybe just committing to the pick landing in 21 that would be my i guess rebuttal um but you could maybe talk me into top 12 i think that's probably that, that that's probably more um more an option uh that's probably more relevant to the bull situation i don't know if they're going to make the playoffs if they do then they probably fall in that 10, 11, 12... Or sorry, if they don't, then they fall in that 10, 11, 12 range. So it's kind of borderline. Ultimately, it will depend on what AK sort of has plans in terms of further moves. And, and that's something that they would have to be thinking when making a trade for like Chris Paul. Because it, it'd be one thing to just trade for Chris Paul and just sort of plant him on this specific roster and, and just going with this team going forward. But if you trade for Chris Paul if you're not necessarily sure on what you want to do with Zach Levine and Larry and then maybe you're making further trades where you bring in another type of player that's maybe not a superstar, maybe even not an all-star, but someone that's highly capable. And maybe this Bulls team looks very different in 12 months time than what it currently looks like. So um, if, the, if the roster is standing put and all you're doing is really just adding Chris Paul and maybe the number four pick, then again, maybe the top 12 protection is tough for me. But if if you're AK and you're thinking no let's continue to let's let's continue to make trades maybe we're trading the number four pick for an established player or something like that then maybe you take the gamble and you say yeah let's do top twelve
2: definitely I think that makes sense and I think from the Thunder's perspective here and kind of the way I'm thinking is like we've mentioned the Chicago team is rebuilding and they do have very interesting young players that I think the for for instance the Thunder own. Um, two future firsts from Houston and two pick swaps with Houston. And I think the Thunder's thought process in that was push those picks out as far as possible because once this Houston run with James Harden is over, they're screwed. Their youngest player is like 26 years old and they don't control any of their future picks for like forever. Mm -hmm. So the Thunder said, screw it. Let's get their 2024 and 2026 picks they might suck then because they don't suck now, but they might suck then. And you might get some really good picks. Like part of me, Mark is actually like really worried because those Houston picks are top four protected. I think Houston might suck so bad that they're getting a top four pick in like 2026. There is a legit possibility of that happening flip side with Chicago. I think the later you push out those Chicago picks, uh, when guys like Wendell Carter, Jr., Kobe white, um, the the number four pick. Um, uh, why did I just go blank on his name? Oh my gosh! Uh, the the stretch four. Where's he at on here? Larry Markkinen. There we go. Jesus, that was bad. <laughs> um, as those guys progress and get older, especially under a new front office regime and a new coaching staff, I think they get better and better. And so, having a future Chicago pick actually diminishes the value rather than increases it. So, I think for the Thunder's perspective. The most valuable Bulls picks are the ones in the close future because those ones in 2024, 2025, 2026 might not be very good because the Bulls might be back atop, you know, a top four Eastern Conference team uh, perennially for, for years and years as these guys start to age and really come into their own. Um, so I, I definitely get where, I obviously, where you're coming from. And let's, you know, maybe save the 2021 pick and push them out. I think the Thunder are going to have the opposite viewpoint on let's get that pick as soon as possible because if we get an unprotected bulls pick in 2024 that might be pick number 25 in the draft
3: i i certainly understand why you would come to that conclusion and i think it's more than fair to to assume that but coming back to something i said a little bit earlier where this is year four of the bulls rebuild now maybe and how this this whole thing can maybe go two ways now maybe if you commit to chris paul you're sort of committing to the team, getting better, sort of pushing towards the playoffs, etc. But again, maybe this thing goes pear shaped for the Bulls, wherein you're not, you're not offering Larry Markin an extension. Maybe he continues his form that he showed in year three, less so in his rookie season. And maybe he just looks like a kind of average type of player. Maybe Wendell Carter isn't anything more than a defensive specialist. I, I think he will be, but maybe he's not. And uh, you Maybe you bring through Chris Paul. That doesn't work out. He's gone in a year or two, and then yeah, maybe you're sort of going back to that rebuilding situation. Particularly given that Zach Levine only has two more years on his deal, do you look to trade Zach now before he maybe commands something close to a max offer, if not a max offer? So again, the the ball situation is kind of at an interesting point. I can I can see where you're coming from as to you know with the, the, the nucleus that they have now. You add Chris Paul, maybe you add around the periphery of this roster. This team will maybe build be building into something similar to like the Indiana Pacers where in a year or two, they're a competitive team. They're winning 44, 46, 48 games, something like that. They're a f- fifth or sixth seed. And yeah, at that point, that pick is like the 17th, 18th, 20th pick in the draft, something like that. And it's it's a less sexy pick. But at the same time, I don't know, maybe this this whole thing is going pear-shaped in, in, in Chicago. Maybe AK feels a little bit differently about it and maybe tears it all down. That's kind of what I'm trying to assess at this point of as to where the Bulls are going. And, and maybe if you're training for Chris Paul, that would be a good indication that you're not maybe trying to tear it down. But I don't know. Maybe that's something to think about in the back of your mind that this could change very quickly in Chicago.
2: Very true. So still trying to negotiate on this pick. Let's say you still felt a little uncomfortable with it being top 12 protected. So what if it's lottery protected The next, if if it doesn't convey, then the 2022 pick becomes top eight protected,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. and then 2020 if it still doesn't convey, 2023 becomes like top five protected. That way, the Thunder are almost assured to at least get one first, instead of it rolling over to like two seconds. Or is that is that still too?
3: No, that 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 makes more it makes more sense to me. I suppose if again. When, for the Bulls, if if you're making a trade like this for, of this magnitude for Chris Paul, you kind of need to know what your follow-up moves are going to be when you're making a deal like this. It, it can't obviously be a deal in isolation. So in that sense, if I'm trading for Chris Paul, I'm feeling confident that this roster is obviously going to take some steps. But with these players on the roster, or maybe you're trading them out for something else. So in that sense, as long as I can get some protection on that, on that 21 pick, maybe lottery protected. That way, if the Bulls do miss the playoffs, which I still think is a fair chance of happening, probably the more likely scenario, then I'm comfortable with not maybe missing out on Cade Cunningham. But yeah, if if that requires me to loosen up some of the protections in year two and three, then I'd be prepared to do that. And eight and maybe top four in 23, that kind of makes sense.
2: Awesome. I, th- I mean, I think the Thunder would be interested in that because it, I mean... Still, I I think I don't know what the twenty twenty two class looks like, but I you know a a pick number seventeen or fifteen in twenty twenty one I think is probably worth like pick nine or ten in in twenty twenty, right? I get just because yeah. I think the twenty twenty one class is so much deeper, so mm-hmm. I think that does make a little bit of sense. And and if you're comfortable, I think that's a deal that I would pull the trigger on.
3: Look, I I would because I like I said I'm I'm a big Chris Paul fan. I think it makes sense. If you, For the Bulls' point of view, if you want to see what you have in your roster and you want to see these players reach their maximum levels, then the best chance for them to do so is not just, just to continuously add young guys. Like we talked about Killian Hayes before. If you just add a young point guard onto this situation and just hope it all comes together nicely, then I don't think it naturally works like that. Bringing through someone like Chris Paul will maximize the value of Zach Levine, Larry and Wendell Carter, etc., Get, you get the best out of, of the situation that you have currently. You can maybe build towards something bigger. You can reestablish the Bulls as a premier organization. This still is a large market team to fight, despite them maybe operating like a small market team at times. So there's a lot of benefits to it. I understand why some people probably don't want to do it again because of that, that final year of Chris Paul's deal where you maybe negate that 2021 free agency flexibility, but I'm under no delusions that Johannes is coming to Chicago, so I'm, I'm avoiding that. Do I'm going think- for the for the, the the immediate plan on going for Chris Paul. So.
2: Definitely. Do you think some of those fans, and maybe if the front office has those hopes of 2020, 2021 free agency, do you think if Giannis just signs the extension that they just say, F it, let's go for it, Let, let's make the Chris Paul trade?
3: It really depends on on what fans you talk to because i know there's there's some amongst the bulls fans or yeah there's some title or bust attitudes amongst bulls fans based on what they sort of saw through the 90s so a lot of fans have this this idea that if you're not sort of building towards a title team or you don't have a title team then everything is kind of worthless so in that sense for those particular people they probably still think free agency because they would be lured by the fact that maybe you can get Kawhi if Kawhi becomes available. If he doesn't take his player option up with with the Clippers, um, maybe Kawhi is available. Someone else, whoever it may be. So I think there would still be uh, fans amongst the Bulls community that would still be interested in playing with the uh, the whole free agency game because that. I guess gives you some hope that maybe you get through a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving types uh, sweepstakes where you just add two max guys to this type of roster, and then there you go. There's your there's your your uh, your title contending team. Uh, again, I'm probably more conservative, and I don't expect that to uh, to occur. So that's why I'm more malleable to that situation. But yeah, in that in that particular instance, if if Giannis were to maybe re up with the Bucks for whatever that may be a one plus one, two plus two, or whatever the deal looks like um then maybe some will come back to thinking yeah okay let's trade for someone like chris paul or if it's not chris paul someone else but i still think there will always be some level of uh or sub segments of our fan base particularly with the new front office now who think no let's let's keep playing the free agency game particularly with ak on board um we'll swing some some um we'll swing a big free agent and and we'll finally land that big free agent in chicago
2: very good so uh, any other trades you want to discuss? Any anything that you had on your mind before we get out of here?
3: Look, I don't think so because, to be fair, like, I think the only other player that I'd probably be interested in, in from an OKC point of view is probably SGA, and I'd assume he's pretty damn untouchable at this point. Yeah. Uh, so, Sorry,
2: bud, we're not we're not discussing that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean,
3: look, he would be perfect next to someone like Zach Levine. Um, but yeah. Shake fits almost
2: anywhere, man. He does, he does. He's, he's so good. like versatile.
3: Yeah. It's incredible. He, he, he's going to be he, he's going to be just exceptionally good, so I can understand why the Thunder would obviously not want to part with him, particularly if you head down the path of a rebuild. He's exactly who you want to keep around. Lou Dort is just, just money for OKC, so I can't imagine them ever wanting to part, part ways with him, particularly for what the Bulls have. So just looking at the rest of the roster, it probably doesn't make sense. I mean Gallinari, who even knows if he's with the Thunder next season. Doesn't really make sense for the Bulls to go after Schroeder because there is a lot of crossovers between him, Levine, and Kobe White.
2: I was about to say he's very similar, yeah,
3: yeah. So I, I don't really see a deal that makes sense at this point. So it really is, you know, something that I guess the synergy here is Chris Paul, Billy Donovan. Does that make sense? Can the Bulls strike a deal? Maybe they can because they have their the outgoing salaries to make it happen from a from a tax relief standpoint or just reducing the overall uh, salaries for the Thunder. Maybe if we throw in a pick, that makes sense then a deal makes sense. But ultimately, like I said before, it will come down to which team is prepared to give up more from a draft capital standpoint to land Chris Paul. Me, I'd be a little bit conservative about it, but maybe there's a team like the Knicks out there who are prepared to throw out, you know, number eight in this draft, uh, and maybe a future pick or something like that. Um, Oh, man, you're...
2: I would love it. Um, okay, well, so you you mentioned Shay's name, and I shot you down. So here's your chance to shoot me down. But if you yeah. want to discuss deals for either of these two assets, um, I would legitimately be interested in and in seeing if we can form some sort of deal. Uh, let's start with an asset we've already discussed, that number four overall pick. Mm-hmm. Um, taking Shay off the board but making future picks that the Thunder have available. Uh, do you think there's any interest at all in, in trading
3: that number four pick? Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I mean, I mean look, the, the Thunder have just a million picks coming their way. Picks like you mentioned before, you mentioned Houston, and in 2024, 2025, maybe even sooner, the Houston situation looks kind of bad. So in that in that sense, those picks may have more value at that point than... I pick number four in this specific draft. Now, I'm not necessarily a draft head. I don't really know what the the 2023, 2024 class, et cetera, may or may not look like. So for me, I'm probably not interested in those picks just yet. Maybe when it's closer to the, to that time, I be have more interested in it or have more envy uh, to how the Thunder are building. And I look, I already do have a lot of envy as to how Thunder are going about <laughs> it. I mean, Sam Prest is a genius. Um, But at this point, I probably wouldn't be interested in any of those picks again because I'm I'm somewhat conservative. And uh, from a bull standpoint, we've been quite burnt from from picks that have sort of protections on them or owed or have swaps on them in the past. I mean, we were waiting for years and years for, for the Bobcats pick, for the Sacramento Kings pick. And for years, we were sort of fantasizing about what those picks may or may not eventuate into, and they didn't really eventuate into anything. So there's a lot of promise around future picks And I've been burnt with those, so maybe I'm a little skeptical at this point. So I probably am not doing a trade for number four for a future pick at this point, but maybe I'm foolish for thinking that.
2: No, that's totally fine. And I think that's really interesting. You know, those future picks, they could be anything. And then once they actually come to fruition, a lot of times they're not as good as what you hoped they would be. And so that's why I'm fascinated with the Thunder's, you know, treasure trove of future firsts. When when does Presty strike on those? You know, when do they have the most value? Uh, is that those Houston picks? Do they have more value now than they maybe will on draft night? And is it better to trade those picks whenever it could be anything, versus waiting to find out what it's actually going to be? You know, and rolling the dice a little bit. It's the asset management for the Thunder over the next few years is going to be incredibly fascinating. To see, do they select players with these picks? Do they trade future picks to move up in earlier drafts or to go get another young player? Uh, Just the balance of all that is going to be really fascinating, I think, to try to decide when you capitalize on that asset. Um, With that being said, the the other asset that the Bulls have that I wanted to discuss to see, uh, is there any sort of trade we can strike? Um, I have a big man crush on Wendell Carter Jr., and I want to know what it's going to take to get him away from Chicago.
3: Well, I mean, so do I. I mean, <laughs> uh, Wendell is probably my favorite player on the uh, on this roster at this point. I, I don't love any of the current bulls at this moment. I don't have an affinity to any of them. But if there is one that I do, it is probably Wendell Carter. Ryan Archdiakano is the other one, but I'm assuming you don't want him in a deal. <laughs> but um, Wendell Carter Jr. It'd be, it's an interesting situation because obviously the the Thunder have Stephen Adams. He's probably not here. He's not your long-term center, obviously. So I'd understand why you'd be interested in Wendell. I mean, building a, a defense around Wendell and SCA is just kind of unfair. That would be, that would be nasty, good, and just so versatile. Uh, it would, again, it would be my interest in maybe dealing Wendell Carter. will Maybe be determined by what the Bulls do at the draft. If they were to change or to draft a, a big, then maybe I'm more inclined to maybe thinking about trading Wendell Carter. But at this point, what are you prepared to offer? I suppose because I'm. Um, He's just so key to me for, for this specific Bulls team. Because if you think about Zach Levine, Kobe White, Larry Markinen, there's not a lot of defense between those three guys. And when Wendell kind of plays, this Bulls defense looks somewhat respectable. You take him off and, man, does it go bad pretty quickly. And I do think he has a lot of untapped potential offensively as well. So you're going to have to offer me something pretty good because I think Wendell for this specific Bulls team is just so, so important.
2: Definitely. So um, I'm on the trade machine right now. Let me (laughs) cook up some bullshit real quick and send it your way and see what you think. Um, Thunder fans might hate me for throwing this together, but you know what? That's okay. Um, What if we did – is this going to work? This will work. Okay. Uh, The Bulls are uh, actually saving $4 million in this deal. Uh, so I don't know if that means anything to you. Uh, what if the Bulls send over Otto Porter Jr. and Wendell Carter? The mm-hmm. two juniors, Otto Porter Jr. and Wendell Carter Jr. <laughs> um, in return, they get the Thunders' first rounder in 2020, which is uh, pick number 25. They get a player that Thunder fans absolutely love and have a lot of hope in, and Darius Baisley. Uh, can play the three, the four, actually played a little bit of five this year. Um, and then we will also send you to keep that defense up high uh, and let you battle with guys like Joel Embiid uh, in the Eastern Conference. We'll send you Steven Adams.
3: I will have to respectfully decline on that one. I mean, how long do you think Steven Adams has left? That's a great question. Because he's not old, but he doesn't move well either.
2: Yeah, and especially it feels like he wears down as the season goes on, which has always been a big knock uh for thunder fans um but you want to talk about a guy that's going to get uh you know Zach Levine and Kobe White open shots all day long coming yeah, off of screens for sure, for sure. Uh, i mean he's uh as jimmy butler said strongest motherfucker in the league <laughs> so uh but um what if if we swapped out and in, well i don't know would it take like another future pick to make that happen
3: yeah look, i'm looking or- i'm not too I definitely like Steven Adams. I love Steven Adams. I mean, just the personality is amazing. I definitely liked what I saw from Bailey towards the back end of last season or this season. I think he was showing signs as, as a stretch forward, even playing some five. He's interesting to me. I guess it's that pick, the tw- the, the first-round pick this season, which is coming from Denver, if I'm not, mispe- not correct. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a late first. That's probably the one that gives me a lot of pause, I suppose, and, and where I'd be less inclined to make this deal happen because of that specific pick. Um, obviously, Stephen Adams is a, a long-term piece for the Bulls if they were to, to trade Wendell for him. Wendell certainly, will, I would hope, would be a long-term piece. Basil is still a working progress, uh, someone I like, but again, he's, he's still a working progress. And a late first for Wendell, personally, I wouldn't do it. Uh, maybe there's some fans out there from a Bulls perspective who would. But um, yeah, for me, I'd probably have to pass unless that picky gets a lot juicier.
2: Yeah. So, what if it's like one of those future Houston picks? That that's kicking the can down the road quite a bit. Obviously, twenty twenty four, twenty twenty six. Um, but like we just mentioned, I mean, it, there's a chance Houston sucks. Like they could be really bad. There's a chance they couldn't as well. You know, it's it it's definitely rolling the dice on a future asset there.
3: Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. And how long does Steven Adams' deal last for? How many more years? He, is he
2: it, just this this season, he's going to be expiring. Okay, so you're Whoa. basically swapping Adams and Otto yeah. Porter Jr. Yeah, and then uh, consequently, then swapping Baisley and Wendell Carter Jr.
3: Yeah, look, and for that reason, if that's the case, and then that opens up free agency, then again, I'm sure there's a lot of fans that would 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 be into that because then that gives the Bulls that option of being a free agency player in 2021 particularly if that if that's the case with David Adams' contract so in that sense I know a lot of fans would be interested in it me I probably have to say no still at this point again coming back to what I said about before at this specific point in time those Houston picks don't look well, they look very intriguing, but I don't know what the value of them might be. Maybe I feel very differently about those Houston picks in sort of 12 months' time when maybe things go pear-shaped in Houston. Maybe even the Clippers start disbanding after a year or two, and then those picks become even more attractive. So we're talking about before in terms of press's decision of when he trades those picks. I think those picks maybe make more, more of a, a value play maybe in a year's time. Maybe they're more appealing at that point when it's more of a known quantity that the Clippers and the Houston Rockets are de- being derailed at that point, whereas now you're sort of just assuming that may be the case. So for me, I'll, I'll probably still hit no on that specific trade. If it was Larry there then maybe a different story. But for for Wendell, like I said, for this team, for me personally, um, I feel quite – I'm quite high on Wendell, so I'd have to Definitely, pass. and
2: I think you should be. I mean, he's, he's only 21 years old, which is insane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Still really young. And and I mentioned this uh, whenever I came on Bulls HQ. Wendell reminds me a lot of Al Horford. And you have the coach now that won two national titles with Al Horford. He knows how to utilize bigs that have some feel for the game and can pass and, and are good defenders. So I think Billy Don. if anyone's going to get a lot out of Wendell, I think it'll be Billy Donovan.
3: Yeah, and look, it would just be extremely difficult for me if this situation were to play out where you have SGA, you have Wendell, and you lock yourself into Cade Cunningham. I mean, that would <laughs> you be just tough never forgive it. Handle. Yeah, yeah. Like if I was an executive that sort of signed off on that team, man, would I feel bad about it? So yeah, no, well, I I'm totally gonna play the conservatively. That.
2: Beautiful. All right. Well, uh, Mark, any
3: parting thoughts before we get out of here? Look, all I'll say is I'm pretty jealous of the Thunder situation. Um, look, like I said before, Sam Presti is extremely good at his job. I wanted him to come to Chicago. I wanted the Bulls to act like a big darker team and just just put it all on the line for Sam Presti before they went out and, and got kind of show us. Obviously, they didn't do that. I'm happy with the current situation, but uh, just from being a I, I suppose someone who's uh, yeah, look, I'm not in the detail about the Thunder like you are. I'm observing from the outside. And from my vantage point, all I guess all I would say is that being if I was a Thunder fan, I'd be pretty confident about where this whole thing is headed, particularly obviously because Presti's leading this whole thing. But the assets that we've discussed that are on your side, you've already got SGA, you may have a really good pick in 2021. Uh, all those future picks coming through, I'm just yeah super envious of the Thunder and I've just loved the way the Thunder have sort of gone about it essentially since their inception. So um, I'm sure you're feeling pretty confident. And um, I, over on my side Look, depending on how things go with the the Bulls, I'll I'll be watching with an envious eye, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, well, we, uh, if there's anybody I trust with that treasure trove of draft picks in the league, it's probably Sam Presti. So we are, we are pretty excited for, you know, obviously this team will not be good, uh, maybe in the immediate future, but the possibility of building for longevity is definitely there. And so we are very, very excited about that. So, well, Hey, thank you so much again, Mark, for joining us. If you guys haven't already, go check out Mark's podcast. It's called Bulls HQ. You can also find his writing at BullsHQ.com. He does an awesome, awesome job. Uh, Part of the Blue Wire family, so go check him out. You can also follow Mark on Twitter. He is at MKHoops. Go give him a follow. Great stuff over there. We will be back with you again on Sunday night slash Monday morning with our typical Monday morning podcast. So be on the lookout for that. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts at. That way you can just get that episode downloaded immediately. You won't have to search it out. Leave a five-star rating wherever you go to subscribe as well. That would mean a huge deal to us. Thanks again, for Mark, for coming on the show. Uh, Again, go give him a follow on Twitter at mkhoops. You guys have a great rest of your week. Please wash your hands, wear your masks, stay safe out there. We will talk to you soon. Thunder up.
1: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.